0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Oh, Paydirt! Pater!
2: Pay Hi everyone and welcome to another edition of Paydirt, a Penn State football podcast. Along with former Penn State and NFL quarterback Matt McGloin, I'm Tom Hannafin. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing the official craft beer partner of Pater. Now, we're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA and Silent Disco IPA. However, we want to let you know about three Funk Brewing beers that you've got to check out. The Lil' Citrus Session IPA and the Peach Bikes IPA. Shandy are available right now. Also, the Mango Sour Power is available now as well. It's a sour ale brewed with mango. It's absolutely delicious. Do not miss out on Mango Sour Power. You can get all these great beers at Funk's Tap Rooms now in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York. Of course, you can find Funk Brewing products at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. For more information, visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Also, Pay Dirt is brought to you by our partners at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today and use your mobile device to join and use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit pater is presented by bet online where the game starts all right matt uh, you are back from disney world uh and you don't have nearly as bad of a sunburn as when you went to beaver stadium for the blue white game so i'm very happy for you i'm very proud yeah i wear i wear
1: one of those like uh, bucket hats like gilligan <laughs> it's like a big it's a big Penn State one it has like the little okay sh- good it has like the little string on it and everything like that yeah man. I'm not trying to look I'm not trying to get sunburned uh you know but I've got that Irish skin you know yeah
2: uh, did so, you dunk uh, yourself in sunscreen every morning in the yes. hotel tub yeah
1: oh yeah yeah I yeah, I use the spray. I just spray it everywhere, and it was hilarious. There's been a few times where, like, I've used the spray and I've missed the spot, and I'll just have like a r- random line of sunburn on my arm or on my leg or something like that. But yeah, man, definitely using the sunscreen, and again, I wear one of those big, big bucket hats. Uh, but it was fun. You know, uh, kids enjoyed it. We had a blast. Like, I think one of the things you forget is how far you walk and how 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 tired miles. you how you tired walk miles you are. there. Yeah, yeah, how tired you are from that, and like. You add a stroller into the mix, and you're pushing that around all day. Uh, yeah, it was hot. It was hot a few days yeah. as well. We hit a little bit of rain, but you know, for the most part, it's a blast, man. You know, I love going down there. Really enjoy it.
2: Yeah, bless you and and your wife, uh, two kids in May in Disney World. That's that's a challenge. <laughs> so, um, so we're, we're obviously very excited, all of us here at Pater, because uh, this airs on Wednesday. So a week from tomorrow, Thursday on June 2nd, we're going to begin syndication on ESPN State College. We're really, really excited about this opportunity. It's a great chance to connect with all sorts of Penn State fans, connect directly with the State College community. Uh, we're going to be on every Thursday on ESPN State College radio from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. So we thought it would be appropriate with that to be joined this week with our special guest, the voice of Penn State football and obviously a contributor to ESPN State College, Steve Jones, who I have known since I was in school. Obviously, Matt, very same thing for you, but it just hits differently because you had Steve calling your highlights Mm -hmm. for years and years and years. How special is Steve Jones to you as a former player?
1: Yeah, well, uh, we couldn't get Jack Ham, so we got Steve Jones. Uh, <laughs> but no,
2: <laughs> Steve, I'm really just kidding. That, yeah.
1: Steve, I'm just kidding. We love you, man. We we appreciate you jumping on this show. And uh, look, Steve knows I think the world of him. Um, you know, he's one of the best in the business. And and you know, Steve and Jack, I had the opportunity to work with those guys every single week during that 2019 season as a sideline reporter for Penn State Radio. And like Tom, very very rarely do you come across people who are better people than they are at their job (laughs) right and for those guys are just fantastic people i learned so much about you know the radio business and 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 the game itself from being around them all year and uh yeah you know having steve call you know games throughout my career and then working with him and and obviously he's become a good friend since uh yeah it's fantastic to have him on the show today and uh you know really looking forward to see what he what he has to say
2: Yeah, we're going to get to that interview with Steve here in just a moment. It's a great walk down memory lane with his career, how he got started, what he's doing now. He's really, uh, I'd I'd use the word dominant in terms of as a sports broadcaster in the state college market. He's all over the place, so you really can't miss him. Uh, We're going to get to that interview in a second. But in regards to the world of college football, I really wanted to get your take here for a few minutes on uh, the news from last week, the verbal sparring in the media between Alabama head coach Nick Saban and Texas A and M head coach Jimbo Fisher, Uh, and it's all coming down to uh, name, image, and likeness, and what this can of worms has really been opened up to be, and what's been happening lately. Accusations by uh, Nick Saban that Jimbo Fisher and A and M have just outright paid players to come to A and M, and that the intention of NIL was to hey convince guys to come to your school, and then they can have benefits. So. When you were reading all of this discourse, uh, what did you think?
1: Uh, I was kind of excited for a second because you know when you see a Jimbo Fisher or somebody like that, you know basically standing up to Nick Saban and saying, "Listen, here's what we're doing," you know, or what we're not doing. It's just the way it is now. So it it was it was kind of see some. It was good to see somebody kind of fighting back, I guess. You know, to Nick Saban, who's obviously you know run. Is, has been able to run college football for years and years and years now. so so that was fun to see but look, Tom, we don't know what goes on behind uh, on behind cl- uh, closed doors um inside those programs and we never will and that's fine. Um, when it comes to paying the players and the Nil and everything like that, um look, I'm, I'm sure teams are doing everything they can, you know as long as it's
2: legal and within the rules right now, which,
1: it doesn't seem like there are any rules. The
2: wild, wild west right now so, there needs to be some um, sort of regulation to, to give there some structure to I, this. I understand that.
1: And if teams are promising kids money and they're promising, being, promising them everything in the world, uh, you know, do, can you really blame a player for accepting that or wanting to go to that school because that? Look, obviously, you nope. know, I'm not a huge fan of paying somebody who hasn't even stepped foot on your campus yet, hasn't even put your helmet on yet, um, but it is what it is. So much anymore for these players and these recruits is what can you do for me? What can you do for my brand? Not what playbook are you going to teach me? Are you going to be able to get me to the NFL? Am I going to be able to get a good education at your university? Right? These things are, it just seems like they're not as important as they were when I was entering school, um, you know, over 10 years ago. So it's happening very fast. Um, It seems like, Tom, that when a coach or who's ever recruiting you from these schools steps into a living room, the first question that's asked now is, well, what can you do for me in terms of the NIL? How much money can I make? Um, I don't think that's a great direction to head into. Um, But I get it. It is what it
2: is. Yeah, I understood the root of maybe what Sabin was trying to say. And I think, you know, he even walked back a lot of those comments and you could see the the commissioner of the SEC get involved publicly saying this is not exactly how we're going to solve anything by mudslinging in the public. Um, the core of what Saban, I think, was trying to say was let's not pay guys, as you said, to outright come to our university. Now, let's not be naive. This has probably been happening for decades in college sports that somebody's getting paid X to go to X university. I understand that. Uh, I I have a really hard time believing this ended at SMU uh, decades ago Mm -hmm. and they got the penalty, uh, the the death penalty, and that was the end of it. Right. Like this is this has been happening. And now NIL is is revealing it, so to speak. Jimbo Fisher says that they've done everything the right way. Uh, I, I'm with you in that. It's like it's great that you're getting these benefits, but go to the school for the right reasons—the one that you're choosing—and then once you're in the door, yeah, take advantage of name, image, and likeness. But even then, it's such it's such a flawed thing. And we talked about there's no regulation to this. I mean, you know that if you go to Alabama, you're going to make more money than if you go to Akron. Like, let's right. not kid right. ourselves. So there's still going to be this imbalance within college football of where kids go to get the money to get paid then there's a the whole question of like whether the education that these guys are getting when they're student athletes and you probably saw it firsthand whether at your own school or other schools whether they're actually getting a true education that they're going to use uh, meaningfully in the future so there's so many layers to this but it all comes back to kind of what you're saying The They've got to get control under this. Mm-hmm. And this is the NCAA's fault for doing nothing, 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 nothing for the longest time. And now it's just we've opened Pandora's box. It just seems very, very complicated now.
1: There's just so much risk in paying a player half a million dollars or a million dollars to come to Without your Without having played for your team. I understand. Exactly. Because, yeah. you know, you just don't know what that player is going to turn into. Or you don't even know if that kid's going to be there for a year or two or three years. Right. Right? Look at look at Quinn Ewers from Ohio State, how much money he made in year one. He never even stepped on the field. He was fourth string and now he's gone to the University of Texas. So it's just I I just it's 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 insane to see some of these things that are happening, you know, right now throughout college football. Um, But I mean, Tom, it's only a matter of time before somebody steps in and and really puts rules in place and says, here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. It is what it is. And that's that's the way it's going to have to be.
2: You know what I'm excited about? Is that October 8th, Alabama and Texas A&M play each other. And I think it's in uh, Tuscaloosa. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I will definitely be watching that game. Because I'm with you. It's like, all right, it's about time somebody said this in the public. And you saw different um, you know, quotes from sources saying that within the SEC, there's a certain honor amongst thieves mentality. So it's like, okay, everybody knows this is going on. And this was just somebody bowing up in and not just anybody it was nick saban but nick saban getting this going and jimbo fisher point, being like i'm not gonna take this line down you know what's
1: it, well, it, it, everybody's focusing on what these schools these coaches what they have to do to get a player there like it, it, it's it's going to pretty soon become all right what are we going to have to do to get a player to stay here
2: hmm. do you know what i'm saying yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, it's it's clearly gotten to that point. Look at Jordan Addison going to, yeah. to USC. That seemed like it was inevitable um, from the word go just because of the way that Lincoln Riley's conducted himself, the way, you know, got Caleb Williams, a lot of other pieces there uh, in Southern California. So it's just like, all right. You know, mm-hmm. It just seems very, very difficult to keep players. And then even even that we talk about all the time in regards to Penn State. Are we really winning the recruiting battles? Are we really able to get these guys? And then it's the mentality of success with honor. Ironically, the name of our NIL collective, which is something else Nick Saban raised, that these are outside people from the university, from the team, that are then trying to use their pool of money to report it to the head coach and then say, hey, if you go after X player, we can give you Y amount. Slippery slope doesn't even begin to describe it.
1: It, it's interesting times man um it really really is you know uh yeah <laughs> i can't imagine what it's going to be like moving forward for these schools these players it's just it's again it's out of control you know
2: yeah Well, not to be all doom and gloom, uh, that's uh, (laughs) definitely the biggest headline uh, this past week in regards to college football. So uh, without any further ado, let's get to our special guest at this time. He is the voice of Penn State football and part of our soon to be shared home of ESPN State College Radio, Steve Jones. Joining me now here on Paydirt, he is the voice of Penn State football, among other things. Steve Jones, who have I recently come to understand, you're also a lumberjack.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in this house, I am, uh, let's see the lumberjack. I'm also in charge of landscaping. Uh, you I mean, you name it. I've got a lot of things. And now, and now I also power wash.
2: You, power, you know what? <laughs> there's nothing more satisfying than power washing. I love no, it.
0: There's nothing more satisfying than being done with it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sitting there without power washing and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I wish I was doing a game right
2: now <laughs> <laughs> of all the things I could be doing. Uh, no, I completely understand that. Um, so one of the reasons, Steve, uh, among many that I wanted to have you on here is because next week we here at Pater are going to become a part of your family at ESPN State College. We're going to start airing the podcast on Thursdays. Uh, from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern. It'll still be available in the same format, but I thought it would be very fitting to dive into this and kind of uh, reach out in a little way. You've had us on your show, myself, McGloin. Oh, my God, your dog's beautiful.
0: Thank you. <laughs> she's, she's the star of the show here. My wife made another great choice. Right, I'm the worst choice she made. The dog's the best choice. Uh, but, no, it's a, it's a huge ad for us. Because, when, you, know, they, you know, they briefly talked to me about it and I said, well, yeah, we got to do that because I want you want more local and regional programming on. And what you and Matt do adds so much to the table with knowledge, talking about topics that the audience here in State College wants to talk about, uh, you know, with all due respect to the, uh, the national syndication that we have there's only so many times you can talk about the Lakers before everybody goes, I don't want to hear it anymore. And that includes people in Los Angeles.
2: Now, uh, I understand, obviously, uh, you and I have the same love of play-by-play, but uh, your time in, in radio has been very special to you. Am I right that your studio is set up in your house? I had always heard that, but is that the truth? Yes,
0: it is, although uh, I'm, when I'm in State College and do the show there, I go to the station. And even during the pandemic, I went there, but I'm also on WKOK in Sunbury. And they, they built a studio in uh, my house in late 2011, early 2012. So this work from home thing, we're just so far ahead of the curve. The rest of you are just catching up.
2: <laughs> the pandemic, you were like, okay, what, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I'll see and, you. Uh,
0: there's no change here. <laughs> we're good.
2: Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so, for those that don't know, uh, walk us through a little bit your journey from Penn State student to then all of a sudden broadcasting Penn State games it was just a few years after the fact, but it was in the early sure. 80s.
0: Well, I was fortunate that when I was at Penn State Wilkesbury my first two years, they had a radio station there. It was in the Commons on the second floor. And at that point, Penn State Wilkesbury had four buildings, and that was one of the four. And as soon as I got in there and tried it out, I loved it. And I remember the first game I did, and I was kidding Connor McGovern and Nick Urey about this. And I said, guys, I said, I, you know, because they both went to Lake Lehman High School, I said, that's where I did my first play-by-play game. It was December 8th, 1977, and it was Penn State wilkes against Allentown Business School. Mm. It was in Lake Lehman High School, and Penn State-Wilkes-Barre won 121 to 107. And Bernie Janowski was our player of the game with 29 points. And I walked out of there, and I thought, I really want to do this if I can the rest of my life. And then I got here to Penn State. Same story, got into the college radio station here, which at the time was WDFM. And I did a lot of play-by-play: men's basketball, women's basketball, Penn State football, Penn State baseball. I did a lot of that, and with the idea of trying to get better the entire time. And when I came out of college, I had three offers. I had an offer from a station in Seneca Falls, New York, a weekend uh, opportunity in Springfield, Massachusetts. Both weekends, and it was just you know it was you know news sports. And then here in State College, well, out of familiarity and love for the area and the place, I picked here, uh, and and I was able to. Uh, and to be honest with you, Tom, I was the first. I was doing news and sports midday, and I was struggling. I just wasn't doing well. Yeah, you know, I kept making a lot of mistakes. You know, whatever, you know, I went through the summertime, and the news director was not exactly satisfied with the job I was doing and she was right. I mean, I knew it. And then I did a high school football game on Friday night to open the season state college in Farm. And when I came in on Monday, I suddenly became the golden child. <laughs> I don't know where. Like, it's funny how things change. Yeah. Like, really? Like you can do this. I said, well, yeah, that's actually what I want to do. And then the big break for me was everyone remembers the famous 48-14 Penn State win over number one pit with Dan Marino. And Penn State was down 14 nothing and rallied to win 48-14. Well, that was significant for me because Fran Fisher and John Grant were doing the game at Pitt Stadium. And they couldn't get back in time. And they knew it ahead of time to do the Penn State basketball opener with Bloomsburg. So I did it. And I worked the game with a guy named Henry Mayo. And I had already been doing women's basketball. So I'd already been doing the Lady Lions at that point. I did Rainy Portland's first season. And that was my first game on the Penn State Network. And then I filled in later and did a game against Nebraska. And at the end of the season, when they went around, Fran decided he wasn't going to do basketball anymore. And that opened the door for me there. And then for football, so I do a season of basketball, and Gil Santos and John Grant were doing football, and they said, we need a third guy because we, we can't do the post-game show and a whole bunch of other things. They said, well, he's already doing basketball. Why don't we just get him? And that's how I got in there. Like, you know, so, like, a lot of things. You're so fortunate about all the tumblers falling into place on the safe to open it up. And, like, I, uh, the tumblers, you know, open for me. And then, you know, it, it took a while before I got to play by play job, but it was, you know, obviously well worth the journey
2: you you've been broadcasting Penn state football specifically for almost as long as I've been alive. So that is the soundtrack uh, for me when it comes to Penn state football and so many. So uh, I, I respect the amount of work that you put into it. And you taught me plenty when I was a student, you were uh, then teaching your class. Are you still teaching that class at at Penn
0: state? I still still am. And uh, at some point I'll make a decision next year about, you know, no, no matter what, by the end of 2023, you know, one way, whether it's in June or in December, that'll probably be it for doing that. But, you know, it's been, what, 19 years or whatever of teaching that. I I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, but there's also a time to kind of look around and say, OK, I know, I know where the line is.
2: Sure. Is that attempting to lighten your schedule altogether? Because when I was in school, you were doing uh, Penn State football, obviously, coaches show. Uh, ESPN State College talk show. You were doing the State College spikes. That's how you and I really spent a significant amount of time yeah. together. So is this just? Hey, it's time to whittle down the schedule.
0: Right. That's all, that's really all it is is to do that. Um, I think it's uh, you know just just more time, and, and not only that, but for example, you do a, a basketball game. It's more basketball related, but you do a basketball game in Minnesota on a tuesday night and you got to be back in to teach at nine o'clock the next morning and you're like okay you got to kind of drag yourself to get over there you know and it's nothing to do with the students it's just like you know 3 a.m is 3 a.m right (laughs) i'm not 34 anymore (laughs) which it was like yeah yeah i don't (laughs) make you fun. fine so that's that's the whole reason
2: before we go any further We want to let you know that all of us involved in the Pater Podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, THON has raised well over $200 million in the fight against childhood cancer and counting. To learn more about THON's year-long efforts or to donate, visit THON.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with an initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in united. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. It, it, it's amazing to me, you know, moments ago what you are talking about in terms of your opportunities, uh, you know, getting started. There were fill-in gigs. And honestly, I've experienced the same thing within the last, you know, six months having an opportunity with ESPN Radio is because somebody couldn't make it. There was a scheduling conflict and you get a chance to hop on. It, isn't it fascinating to you how the industry or at least the sports broadcasting role largely just hasn't changed all that much Despite all the technological advances, despite the pandemic, it's, it's still mm. largely the same.
0: Yeah, it largely is the same, except, except I'll say this. When I broke in, uh, we were on 24 hours a day. And so you'd have a 2 to 6 a.m. person, the quote graveyard shift. Mm. And then somebody would leave. And that person had made a lot of mistakes from 2 to 6 and got better and better and better. And all of a sudden, everybody would move up. And they all would move up with more experience. Right now, you've got to create your own experience because there isn't like stations, local stations, don't have extensive staffs. Uh, And so uh, now we're fortunate in that, okay, I can do a show locally here, one to three, and then the other show I do is three to five on WKOK. Matt and you will come in and you'll be in that three to four spot. That's exactly what we need. We need more of that than what you and Matt can provide. Because I think that then appeals to the local audience. So that's the difference between then and now.
2: It's it's really interesting and we're excited about the opportunity, but I just think it's so fascinating how, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, yeah
0: really, they do stay the same. I mean, and everybody thinks, oh yeah, so much different now. It really isn't. it really isn't and it's also the ability you have to have the ability to somehow relate to people when you do this one-to-one and you're not always successful with that i mean you'll have somebody say oh you know you know you guys are you know too arrogant too smart you're too dumb you're
2: (laughs) but you know what like Nobody, nobody knows really, unless you work for the team. Oh, right. So, like, we're all just speculating. We're all trying to make educated decisions right. and opinions. So, yeah, like, I think that's going to happen anywhere that ha- uh, anywhere in broadcasting. Well, well, see,
0: but see, I'm in a different. But see, I'm a I'm in a different spot than you guys, right? I do see everything, right? But I've got to be smart about okay, okay there also has to be a what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas absolutely mentality and so i don't tell as much as i know because it's far more important that i be the play by play person <laughs> to start with but you know i mean it's not like i don't hear something or read something and look at it and go nope <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah. that's just between jack ham and me we can look at it and go no nope. Not true.
2: Um, I want to go back to uh, to play by play. I think you and sure. I share that that mutual love. And I, I kind of alluded to it yeah. so when I was a student. Um, I did an internship with the State College Spikes, which is a minor league affiliate of the Pittsburgh Pirates. You gave me one of my first opportunities, I think, to call an inning or two uh, with the State College Spikes. Yeah. And uh, I'll never forget it. My whole family tuned in. But in regards to play-by-play, like you mentioned that very first game, like you remember, what was it Bernie Janowski? Is that Was that the name yeah. that you sent? So mm-hmm. is it that addiction to the details, to the photographic memory?
0: I love being able to use words to paint a picture. That's a big part to me. Um, there's the excitement of, you know, in a football game and, you know, everything builds up and it builds and it builds, but, you know, can you sit there and somebody's driving down 80 or the turnpike or wherever it may be, or 81, and they can picture there's two receivers on the far side. There's one to the near side. Clifford's in the shotgun. He's got lead to his left, All right? First and 10, their own 20 near hash going left to right as they see it. Like, can you picture that? And then where is the ball after that? And give people a trip of the ball. Basketball. It's at the top of the key. It's on the near wing. It's in the near corner, low block near side, backs in, turns, left hand up, no good. Right? Rebound by, you know, can you picture that? Can you use words? And I work with tremendous people. I mean, Tom, I mean, you know the feeling. I mean, you've worked at a lot of different places mm-hmm. with people. You worked with some great pros. By the way, I got Jack Ham next to me. Right. I got Dick Girardi next to me. I got Roger Corey in the boo, Taylor's the engineer. He's got to make sure I don't make the job exponentially more enjoyable. And nobody cares who talks. You no, know, there's not like, okay, I'm not paid by the word here. No. So if Dick is saying something and a get a scored, that, that's great because Dick's saying something important. Uh, if, you know, I'll tell you one quick story about, about Jack in that vein. Penn State's playing Temples, 2008. And Pat Devlin comes in, and Joe wanted Pat Devlin to get experience running the two-minute drill because they're up on tempo. So he took Daryl Clark out. And they're going downfield. They get the third down, and and Pat made a mistake. I mean, as simple as that. Uh, and, And so Jack is explaining the mistake he made. And while he's doing that, Kevin Kelly runs out. They set up for a field goal. Jack's still explaining, you know, how he needed to handle that. And Kelly then kicks it. Jack looks up and goes, oh, yeah, by the way, the field goal's good. But right? <laughs> then we go to the break and he looks at me. And he goes, I'm really sorry about that. I said, sorry about what? He says, I said, who cares?
2: <laughs> there will be another down, you know.
0: <laughs> so what we did, we have to do the play of the game. So we played that back.
2: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. And that was my call. I said, play the one where Jack called the field goal. That was great.
2: When you were early on in your, specifically with Penn State football, I remember this, again, it's apples to oranges. But when when I worked for WWE, I would get hung up on like, I really want to call this specific show, this specific moment or, or match. And again, it's apples to oranges. But did you have specific games that you were like, oh, I can't wait to call that. And then maybe you got into that moment and you're like, I missed on that important moment. It's like, I got it, but I didn't get it.
0: Uh, no, I've usually been, uh, first of all, when you get to that moment, I'm going to predict that you did not, um, think about the call in your head. You just did it in the moment. Largely. Yes. Yes. All right. Now there's, there's obviously in what you're doing, WWE, there are a couple of things that had to be a few differences. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah they're, okay. You know, I mean, just so everybody understands, of course, there are certain rules. Tom had to follow along yes. the way. Okay. Uh, I don't uh, script in my head what moments are like. Uh, So I've always had the theory that the moment's so great, if it wasn't perfect on your part, the moment's so great, nobody cares. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But for the most part, I've been pretty good with it. Um, you know, Larry Johnson gets 2000 yards and he got to the end zone and I don't know why I blurted it out, but I, I cause I think it's because it was 2002 and we'd just gone through the whole 2k thing. Oh yeah. Uh, so I said 2k for LJ. Well, it's stuck. Okay. Uh, when Joe won his 400th game, I said, you'll never see this again. One man, one school, 400 wins. I just like in the moment, just like thought of it, um, and like the Grant Haley thing, he, when when Marcus Allen blocked the kick, I knew he blocked the kick, and you know how you have to make that you know Tom, that split second mm-hmm. decision you have to make. Do I say he blocked the kick now? But then the ball bounced up to Grant, like right into his hands, right. And my first thought was just stay with the ball, mm-hmm. and I. Took it in there, and when he crossed the goal line, that's when I said Marcus Allen blocked it. Grant Haley takes it out. Penn State takes the lead with 427 to play. So you got to sometimes make those split second decisions where, and that's what I did on that. It was like, because the ball bounced to him. Right. If it hadn't bounced to him, I would have said Marcus Allen blocked it, and there's a scramble on the field, but it bounced right up to him. And of course, doggone mean, the camera Johnson's the fastest punter in the history of the game because he, he was the holder. I know. I'm, like, oh. I'm thinking, they'll never catch Haley. I'm thinking this. <laughs> and I'm watching Johnson. I'm thinking, geez, I hope Grant can't get to the goal line fast enough. <laughs> like, doggone, <laughs> this this guy, this guy can move. <laughs> but you know, but you don't you don't you just stay in the moment. Mm-hmm. And if it works, it works. I've been fortunate. Most of them have worked. Every once in a while, I go, eh, okay, that was pretty planned. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you try your suck. best.
2: And like I said, there will be
0: another game. Right. And but, but I throw as much into the Villanova game as I do an Ohio State game. Of course. Because that's what's in front of you at the moment. I throw as much into a fairly Dickinson basketball game as I do into a Michigan state basketball game, because in those three hours, that's all I've got in front of me. So, you know, and you've got a blank canvas to start with. And so, you know, you go from there.
2: I've always respected uh, your body of work because it's predominantly in radio. It's almost, it's actually, it's exclusively in radio pretty much where I, I was fortunate to get to work in TV, but I believe radio is far more difficult than working in television. How long did it take for you to to really feel comfortable in that medium?
0: Uh, Not too long. For some some reason, it's always been something's easier. TV, I've done a lot of TV games, many more than people realize between WPSU TV uh, and BTN. And the difference is it is very much a producer-director medium right? The director's in charge of all the shots and you have to keep one eye on the monitor because you have to make sure that you're referencing a shot that's on the screen. Okay. And the producer and the ones I've worked with have been great. You know, they only, you know, everybody talks about talking in your ear and all that, you know, that, you know, they mostly talk to the other person when you're talking and then they talk to you when the other person's talking. So they're actually really good about it. But you've feel in some ways in TV that you have your hands tied as the announcer. Like you can do certain things like you do in radio. In radio, you're, you're the one that's completely creative. It's you, Jack Ham, you, Dick Girardi, you, Joe Putnam, and we make the thing go. In TV, you feel like you know, you're the conduit between what the truck wants and what they see on, on the air. i feel like your hands are more tied in tv at least that's my experience i don't know what your experience is like
2: well and again it's you know
0: you know way more than i do
2: uh well it's it's apples to oranges i think again because what we talked about before you know my experience has been uh in in quite a bit in in professional wrestling so wwe that now impact wrestling so you're an extension of the production team uh and also i exist in a scripted environment not saying what my play by play is a scripted. However, there is a narrative that we're trying to accomplish and arrive at. So there are moments we know about, there are things that happen that are just kind of spur of the moment. Uh, so it's just a little bit different. But yeah, I agree with you. There are definitely instances where you just have to communicate what the production team is trying to communicate. But right. if you're in lockstep yeah. there, it's not bad.
0: And you're also trying to communicate what the company is trying to communicate. Yes. Right. And that's that's, you know, in, in what you're doing with WWE, um, I I think what you do, what you've done with them and with Impact has been uh, I think it's really difficult. And I think you do it with such ease because there's a lot of shows you have to do. I mean, there's a lot of shows you have to do and you've got to be able to be creative in the moment. And then there are other times where they need you to be creative in a certain way. And you have done a great job of following what they need. And that's not easy to do.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. This is, uh, this is my favorite podcast thus far. So <laughs> oh, go
0: ahead. Go
2: ahead. <laughs> um, in regards to uh, you, you mentioned it before the moment in regards to uh, Grant Haley and uh, you know, plenty of other players, how good is your relationship been with Penn State football players over the years or is there hardly any?
0: oh no it's I've been really fortunate over the years they they, uh, they they treat me like I'm part of the family in so many ways um and you know it's actually it's gratifying. I mean, it's gratifying to me that, that they even remember him around. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, you know, good John Carter comes back and he treats you like you're a long-lost friend. LeVar Arrington comes back, he treats you like you're a long-lost friend. You know, same thing with, you know, the players that, that, that you know, uh, Michael Robinson. I mean, we have Michael Robinson now. He was on the sidelines for the blue-white game. Like, I know. 3 years ago or something like that and the first thing he says is my teacher, my mentor. Oh god, it's like, geez, okay. Uh because Mike's done so well with yeah. uh, with NFL Network and everything. Uh so yeah, that's always been important to me. Um that they feel like that. And it, I think part of it too is um like the guys that you work with, right? they know that all those guys that you've worked with know that you have their back. Right? I mean, Mm -hmm. so you're on, I don't know, it's two hours as a show or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But win or lose, whatever the script says on that night, night, you know. Absolutely. They know that you have their back. And in this, same thing with this, basketball, football, um, the baseball guys, they know that they have your back. Yeah. Can you say X isn't having a good night? Yeah. But that's all you say is X. Is, I mean, I think it's simple, but self-explanatory. You don't have to sit in there and go, "Oh, he's been horrible. He's done this. He's..." Oh no 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 no. You know? Yeah, and I think that's important to them, and they understand that you have their back.
2: There and are plenty. Think, there yeah. there are plenty of home team announcers that yeah. do get so hung up on being a homer. And then also myself being a Philadelphia guy, there are plenty of instances where they will be overly critical. And I think that the one benefit that you have where you're predominantly working with Penn state athletics and you understand them, uh, the state college spikes are professional, but these are kids. Yeah. So why are you coming down on them? You
0: know, <laughs> I've always had a rule. You don't criticize high school players. You don't criticize college players. Yeah, you know, the pros all right, You know, Tom Brady's making $25 million a year. Oh, by the way, thirty seven point five once he leaves <laughs> per year. Like, really? Uh, but, you know, he's making a mistake, and people are paying all this money in there to see him play, you know. And so if he's having a really bad game and it, it's an El Stinko, you can say it's an El Stinko. But it's a college player, that's a little bit different. You know, guess what they're doing on Monday? They're going to class. <laughs> it's like <laughs> – uh, you, you have to you have to understand who they are yeah i know what name image and like for some guys could make some cash now but you know it's it's different between the pros in college and college and certainly high school it's always loved that i hear somebody like criticize the high school I'm Like going, it's a high school kid right it's a kid it, it's a kid all uh, right let's have some perspective here
2: um speaking of perspective uh How are you feeling about the upcoming Penn State football season as this is a Penn State football podcast?
0: Oh, it is a Penn State football podcast. Yes, sir. (laughs) Okay, so I want to make sure about that. now. Um, Well, I I think it's interesting because Jack and I watched, you know, I I watched all the practices. He he was able to get over for three or four or something like that. And he, he and I talked earlier in the week and he said, you know, I'm really, I'm bullish on this team. This is what I think they need. Uh it would not hurt to get another linebacker. I don't mean the starter. starting starting group's fine, right? But just a, a one or two guys that can play the linebacking spot that can provide some depth. Right? Jonathan Sutherland moving outside linebacker actually is a great spot for him because if you notice, Tom, and Matt will tell you the same thing, how are people now combating spread offenses? They're doing it with 4 two fives now. They're playing five DBs. So to have a hybrid guy that can play both DB and linebacker is important. And I also think that when you go nickel. You feel like he got five and a half DBs out there. If you go dime, you feel like he gets six and a half. So you don't know where everybody's coming from. And the other part is they got plenty of wideouts, tight ends, running back. Singleton and, and Allen are two great additions in that running back spot. Wheatley, the safety was a great move. Uh, and I'll tell you, the Durant kid at defensive tackle is really going to help. And getting Beeman back helps. I'm anxious to watch Deny Dennis Sutton to see mm. what he can do. Uh, all I can do is guess right now. I've never seen him play in person, so I don't know. Uh, the quarterback spot's fine, but obviously people look at the offensive line. Okay. Well, when the one group was together, I liked them. I thought they were good, but they weren't out there that many times together. Tangwall, Wormley, Juice, Olu, you know, Caden Wallace. They did some good things. But I'll, you know, it's one of those that, you know, we We've talked about, here they go, you know, the offense guys, they're going to be way better. You know, we've talked about that before. So I'm just taking the approach of, okay, let, let's just, you know, let's watch a couple of games, see how it, it plays out. Because they'll, they'll get Purdue right away, and then they'll get Ohio University, and they'll get Auburn. Well, if you feel pretty good about it after the Auburn game, then eh, you got a chance to have a really good offensive line. Do so I think the possibility is there? Yes. But do I want to see it play out in reality? Of course I do, because you just you, just, you know I think uh, adding Norzad is going to be a, a plus, and he's already here, and Drew Shelton's already here. That helps, and I think it's not just the five guys you start. Is is it possible they can be too deep at each position in case they need it? And that's something I want to see in the preseason. And no
2: one would complain about that type of depth. That'd be fantastic. And it, it just sounds like ultimately we got to get to August and we got to see what we're actually oh. working with with so many of these guys. I think, uh, especially during winter workouts and then spring practices, the vibe seemed to be, Hey, there's been some injuries. There's not enough scholarship guys, especially around the offensive line. Right. They can't afford to go full bore. So you're really not going to know what you have.
0: Yeah. You know, cause the offensive line, I mean, it, you talk about people like, with misconceptions, Right. Oh, well, well, you know, the recruiting on the offensive line, it's their fault. That's why they don't have enough guys. They have 12 offensive linemen. There's 12, right? But because of circumstances, and I'm not going to get into the circumstances, there were a couple of days they had five and six, right? Well, that's because of circumstances. You know? So in other words, if they had 15, they'd have eight. <laughs>
2: and you can't wear out those six guys and be like hey let's play a whole blue-white game with the same six guys
0: so you, can't, you know I mean it's just because of the circumstances and there's nothing that in the circumstances that happened that were season ending it just meant at that moment you didn't have certain guys so that's why I want to see in August when they have Norzad, Shelton and everybody into the mix with J.B. Nelson and and the other guys you know, I, I think it's going to be fun to watch it play out, but I think we won't really have any real answer to that until they actually start playing games. Because again, yeah, you can watch practice and as you're watching it, I always go in time with one basic idea of practice for football and basketball. Every time somebody makes a good play, you have to ask yourself, did the other guy make a bad play? <laughs> <laughs> sure.
2: Sure.
0: You know, and every once in a while you'll see a play and go, you know what? He did everything right. He did everything right. He just beat him.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So.
2: I just can't wait for football to get back this time of the year. Is, it's a little <laughs> flat. You and I have talked about this before. It's like, oh, God, let's just, let's just get to football season. Yeah. Um, Steve, uh, I'm so grateful to have had you on here. And uh, again, all of us here at uh, Pater start on ESPN State College on Thursday, June 2nd from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern. So thrilled to be a part of the ESPN State College family with you. My last question to you, um, as I mentioned when we started this, you've been calling Penn State football for virtually my entire life. I hope that continues on for a very long time Um, and you always struck me as having the love for it and the work ethic for it like a Vin Scully and that you want to be around with this team for as long as possible so do you have an idea of how much longer you want to call Penn State football because I'm hoping it's as long as you want,
0: but I'm just curious. Well, I've got, first of all, I've got the the, the greatest wife on the planet. <laughs> so she's, she. I mean, she's been incredible raising five kids and, you know, and all the traveling I've done, she gets, she should get exponentially more credit than I do because she's the greatest. Uh, me I, right now. I feel great. Good. And if I have my, now they have to feel the same way I do. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but, sure. But, but I, I, if I continue to feel the way I feel, I'd like to go at least another 10 to 15 more years. I mean, that's really how I feel right now. Now, I probably just depressed 75% of the audience. Oh, uh, come on. <laughs> but, that, but that 25% is like, yeah, right. <laughs> but I'd like to go at least another 10 to 15 seasons if I could. And the way I feel right now, I feel like I could do it. So, you know, I, I, my passion for it is greater than ever because the project I work on, as you know, during the course of the offseason as I prepare all the games in advance. So I have as much advance work done on every team. So there's football and basketball. So that's 42 teams. I got them all done already. What does that tell you about my passion for what I'm doing? They're already finished.
2: That's spectacular. Well, I hope you do reach that goal sincerely. And I'm thrilled to hear that you're in good health and you have the greatest wife in the world. That's outstanding. Yeah, so yeah,
0: she's, she's, she's the greatest. She didn't get enough credit for everything. I mean, you know, that's why I'm, the more interviews I've been doing, I've been trying to like make sure everybody understands that because I don't sit here and, and do this life by myself. <laughs> you know, she's incredible. 100%. You know I mean? I mean, we're coming up on our 43rd wedding anniversary.
2: Oh, man. Congratulations.
0: I mean, she's a saint. <laughs> <laughs> in a lot of ways. And she says, I recorded that. There she is in
2: the background. Yeah, it's on the record. Steve, thank you so much for joining me here. I really appreciate it.
0: I'm an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.